Hello. Welcome to the Valley View Podcast, episode 105. My name is Tyler, and I'm here with Matt on a tight schedule, so I started before he started the recording. <laughs> Can I say one thing that I appreciate about the podcast? Uh, I thought it was going to be something you appreciated about me, but sure, you can appreciate the podcast. Well, it's actually both. Oh, no, I didn't actually want this. <laughs> I appreciate how the the excitement in your voice when you're welcoming people to the pod has not waned one iota since episode one. Well, there wasn't much excitement in episode one. <laughs> I th- It's only grown. Also, I dis- Also, I disagree. I think that some weeks my hello is more like somber. That's true, perhaps, but it's perhaps for me, it's like the welcome to the Valley View podcast part. It's just enthused with such joy uh, all right. for the pod. And I just really appreciate that. You think, it, you think it's that. better? You think that's better than saying hello? It's the Valley View podcast. Let's go. I do. OK, I do. Do we have a sponsor? Uh, we do. Uh, the sponsor uh, epi- episode 105. Did I say Sorry. 100? I hope I said 105 because that's what episode it is. OK, episode 105 of the Valley View podcast is sponsored by Priority.com Shipping. Mm. Your local shipping expert specializing in deliveries all across the metro area since 1981. Priority.com, when you need it delivered fast and delivered right, call Priority. Did they have a website in 1981 for real? Uh, no. No. I assume they went through a name change oh, at I some see. point. Okay, probably okay. something like priority shipping back in eighty one. That might make more sense. Like, hey, they probably had a meeting that said maybe we should go to dot com as part of our name. So thanks. I was just behind one of their vans on the way home uh, from lunch. Oh, so this is a real company? It actually exists. I'll Google it. I got to prove this. Yeah, because you you could do that. You could say you were behind it even if you weren't. You could be <laughs> a fiend. But I feel like I have heard of that. Yeah, I, you know. If you're interested in using someone local instead of, uh, you know, FedEx or UPS, um, try out the mom and pop priority.com. Uh, you're right. It exists. Every time you call us, we deliver and it's a van on the moon. A van on the moon? <laughs> the picture on their website is a van with priority on it on the moon. <laughs> you're right. I guess the message would be like, hey, we even will go to the moon uh yeah shipping, that would be the message shipping anywhere even they have a bunch of audio on their website too click here to listen to kq's tom bernard should we listen to tom bernard on the podcast uh yeah i think we probably right, it's only a minute hey i just got out of the meeting i can't even tell you how different it was from what i expected well you know i'm uncomfortable interviewing in the first place but i didn't feel that way there everything they said I, made sense I, to me i don't want to listen to a minute of this <laughs> so yeah check out priority.com yeah thanks priority.com all right um, we're going to talk about the book of Esther today. We're actually talking about a book this week. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, the book of Esther, one of a podcast favorite, I believe. Oh, yeah. And then we're going to hit some other topics of interest um, following that. But um, let's start with the book of Esther. Es- there are some unique things about the book of Esther. Um, I, every book of the Bible has unique things, of course, but something maybe especially unique to Esther. I'm sorry, I have to ask the side question. What book of the Bible do you think is the least unique? Ooh. The least unique book of the Bible. Could it maybe be one of the synoptic gospels just because, or maybe one of the Chronicles or um, Kings because it covers some of the same material? I guess probably. Maybe. I don't know. All right. I didn't really have anywhere I was going with that question, but. Okay. I'll go with First Chronicles. I'll go with, um, I feel like it could be like a minor prophet. Hmm. Uh, 
My first thought was Nahum, but I actually really like Nahum, so I don't want to say it's the least like original. Yeah. Like if you took Nahum out of the Bible, there would definitely be a gap that's not filled by other prophets who are also condemning Nineveh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like if you lose Nahum, you're still gonna get the idea that bad like the bad will be punished. That's true. I don't know. Maybe Maybe Obadiah. Obadiah's really short though, so that's unique. Yeah. Anyways, maybe we'll talk about this on a future episode. Let's talk about Esther right now. Okay, let's go to Esther. Um, what's unique about Esther, Tyler? What comes to mind right away? Never mentions God. Hmm. Only book in the Bible. Never mentions God's name. So when you say never mentions God, that means that the word God or presumably like Lord does not appear in the book. Correct. I think I also think that's true. Um, is that a problem? Uh, in, in what, I mean, no, but like, what are you asking? I guess I'm getting it, uh, maybe asking the question that could be inside some people's heads. Like, how could there be, I mean, isn't the whole Bible about God? How could there be an individual book in the Bible that doesn't even mention his name? Like, if that's true, what qualifies it to be, you know, part of scripture if like the word god isn't there yeah is that i I could see a reasonable person asking that question sure i mean what's the response i mean i think the book's about god like um i i'm studying ruth right now because i'm gonna be teaching ruth soon um and i it was interesting i was just reading like the introductory like first chapter notes and the author was like yeah ruth like 50 of the 85 verses are conversation or like conversations. Like it's like dialogue between characters, hmm. but clearly the author of Ruth likes communicating through conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like the writer of Esther likes showing God's presence by like having a, like a very like pronounced absence of his actual name. Hmm. Because if you read Esther and you read the events that are happening, mm-hmm. like the amount of, I went through Esther with the kids last year. Like, the amount of coincidences that happen in Esther is like ridiculous. Like there's like, like Esther six is like legitimately, like I think the funniest chapter in the Bible because like the main, the main character, well, one of the main characters, the King um, is sitting, like he just so happens to not be able to sleep the night before he's having dinner with Esther and Haman. Right. like right hand man. And so he just so happens to have his uh, like chronicler read the accounts of his successes and he, the chronicler just so happens to read the story of how Esther's cousin Mordecai like saved his life and he had done nothing for him. Mm-hmm. And, and as the King is realizing that he had not honored Mordecai, Haman just so happens to pull up like at that exact moment and walk into the court, the King just so happens to say, Oh yeah, let's get Haman's advice. And Haman walks in and the King again, just so happens to say like, Haman, what should I do for the man that, I desire to honor Mm -hmm. and doesn't use Mordecai's name because Haman is literally walking in to say, King, we're going to, we should hang Mordecai. And he, he just so happens to say like, what should I do for the person I want to honor? And Haman's like, it, the funniest verse is Haman sitting there and he's like, who could the King want to honor besides me? (laughs) And so he's like, tells the King to do a bunch of lavish things for the person. And then Haman has to do those things for Mordecai, the the dude he wants to kill his worst enemy. Yeah. There's like these like, that's like seven coincidences of things that like just happen to happen in that precise way to work out for God's people. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the author is trying to say something very clearly that like, yeah, it's not just so happening. Like the, the amount of coincidences built up in that book is like overwhelming to the point where you're like, this can't all be 
coincidence. And that's what the author wants you to see, I think. Like <clears throat> this overwhelming picture of the providence of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the closest, because the closest the book comes to saying God's name is, so So I'm like skirting around it, but like the, the flow of the book is Esther, a Jewish woman, becomes queen in Persia. Um, mm-hmm. She marries King Xerxes after he has what we joke with the students was a, a beauty pageant, even though that's likely not what it was. Sorry, VeggieTales. Um, and then <laughs> after she becomes queen, uh, the king's right-hand man, Haman, decides that he wants to destroy all of the Jews because he hates Mordecai, who's also Jewish and related to Esther. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets a decree issued, the king signs it. Um, and when uh, when Mordecai finds out, he like tears his clothes, he's like mourning. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Esther and he's like, Esther, you gotta go to the king. And it's the that it, it's in that conversation that the book comes the closest to mentioning God because I actually don't remember right now if it's Mordecai or Esther, but one of them says like, who knows, have you been made queen for such a time as this? Yeah, Mordecai. Like it's like that's like the closest to that's the closest it's like the author winking at you. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. huh, who knows? Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Exactly. Especially like in the midst of all these other coincidences, of course God places Esther at that spot. Yeah. If he places, you know, um the king in this spot of sleeplessness and he places Haman coming in right at the right moment, of course Esther is going to be there to yeah. serve God's purposes. So, you know, We've talked about books long enough to know my favorite question, especially in looking at these Old Testament books, is where do you see Christ? Um, Esther. In Esther. In Esther. Yeah. Where do you <laughs> where do you see Christ in, in the book of Esther? Because the whole Bible um, points to Jesus. How does that look in particular in the book of Esther? Yeah. So after Mordecai talks to Esther and is like, you got to do this. Esther says, yeah, I'll do it. I'll go in front of the king. And because... The, the rule in Persia was if anybody went in front of the king unannounced, they were killed because you didn't want someone to be able to walk in front of the king and kill him. So to, to prevent yeah. that, if you walked in front of the king and the king did not call you or he didn't extend his like little royal scepter to you, you're dead. Mm-hmm. And Esther decides, like, I'm going to go in front of the king, even if it leads to me dying. Mm-hmm. Um, she walks in front of the king. The king holds up his scepter so she doesn't die. And he invites her to a dinner with... Uh, her, the king, and Haman. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'll make you dinner. And the king, who is kind of portrayed as like, he's kind of portrayed as an idiot in Esther. Like, he just is always doing, like, if somebody says, king, do this, he just always does it. He's like super impressionable. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I mean, while you're on that topic, I, I hope this doesn't throw you off. No, but chapter good. one, where he parades, yeah. you know, his beautiful wife, Vashti, Vashti. or he, want, he wants to parade her. She doesn't yeah. come, but. He's like, hey, I'm having this big party. Wouldn't it look good if I like bring my wife out, show everyone how beautiful she is? And shockingly, Vashti does not want to walk out in front of the king and all of his drunk friends, and so she doesn't. And and so she, it's actually so funny because she doesn't go out as I think is completely fine and like good of her to not want to go out in front of the king and his drunk friends. And the king says, okay, well that 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 does it. She can never appear before me again. And I get the feeling that, but I also get the feeling that Vashti would be like, okay, like (laughs) I'm good with that. Yeah, exactly. Um. And then, and then he like he talks. It's the first example of him being impressionable, by the way, because his advisors go to him and he's like, "Okay, what do we do about this?" And the advisors are like, "We need to issue a decree that all of the women need to respect their husbands." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah. even though my wife didn't respect me." <laughs> like he's just he, he will do what people say. So Esther says, "Yeah, I'll make you dinner," and he says, "Yeah, sure." Yeah. So they go to dinner, and then at the first dinner, Esther invites him to a second dinner, which. I personally, oh, you're going to ask about that? Well, I was just going to say, that has always seemed 
odd to yeah. me. Does that seem odd to you? I've never quite known what to make of it. Maybe you can make heads or tails of that. Well, like I said, I'm I'm read up on Esther right now. Okay. So I, I think I, okay. right. I have an idea of what's going on. Okay. I don't think she's scared. That's like, I think the comp, like the VeggieTales, in, in the VeggieTales show, she's scared. Okay. Um, And I think that's reasonable and I think it could be true. Mm-hmm. But from the time that the, de- the decree was issued that we're going to kill all the Jews to the mm-hmm. time that it was going to go into action was probably like nine or 10 months. So I don't think it's fear. I think she's just biding her time. Like, I think she's like setting herself up to, to get the king in her corner because at the end of the first dinner, she says like, I'd like to invite you guys to dinner tomorrow. Um, and, and then at that point, I'll like, it's something like, it'll be so cool when the king grants my request. Like basically he mm-hmm. gets, she, she says it in a way that the king agreeing to the second dinner is the king agreeing to her request. Hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't think she's afraid. I, I think she knows what she's doing. Like, so I realize this is all speculation because we're not told yeah. why the two, but it sounds like from what you're saying, the view that you favor is that she planned go like going into the first dinner. She planned for there to be a, a subsequent invitation. I think that's and it wasn't possible. just a spur of the moment, like uh, my nerve failed. Yeah. So I'm going to hunt this to tomorrow. <laughs> like we might be likely to do. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't. But, yeah. I don't know if she. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. We just don't know. Yeah. I don't know if she was planning it going in, but I I, I would not necessarily think she was too scared the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So anyways, she... There's, yeah, there's nothing there that says she was afraid. Yeah, so. we're getting to... And we're getting to Jesus. We're almost there. Okay. Um, because she she invites him to the second dinner. That overnight is when the funny chapter six happens and Haman has to parade Mordecai around. Um, and then the mm. next then the next day, she actually makes the request. It, yeah. um, I should... I'm going to pull it up. It's Esther seven. Um, and, but basically this is where she is, I think, giving us a picture of Christ. I actually did this as a, a breakfast club talk that like, just like Esther is standing between God's people and advocating for them to, to an authority, mm-hmm. the king. <clears throat> um, she's do- acting as a, a, mediator a mediator or a priest. Yeah. yeah. She, she's doing it at risk of her life. Mm-hmm. She could totally, she could totally be killed for it but she's still willing to do it for God's people. Mm-hmm. Jesus intensifies Esther. He he mediates between people and God himself and isn't just willing to die, but actually dies. Mm-hmm. But, so th- this is what Esther says in Esther 7. Um, it's like Esther 7 verse 2. On the second day, as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king again said to Esther, what is your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, if I found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleased the king, let my life be granted me for my wish and my people for my request. Is this ESB? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was getting lost a little bit. Uh, For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we'd merely been sold as slaves, I would have been silent, for our affliction is not to be compared with the loss to the king. So she literally says, like, like, slavery is, like, awful, right? Like, she's like, if it was just slavery, I wouldn't have said anything. It's, she, she you get the sense of like how big of a deal this is and like how much it would take to risk your life. Like mm-hmm. she's like, even if it was slavery, I wouldn't do it. But like, this is like my people's lives on the line. Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm making the request. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the King grants it and uh, kills Haman. And then it's actually really funny. It actually leads to a question that I have for you about this book. Um, so the King kills Haman and then the King does not say, okay, Esther, I'll save your people. The King says, mm-hmm. well, I made my decree. Mm-hmm. If you guys want to draft another one, go ahead. Mm-hmm. But you can't go against my decree because it was signed in my like official like seal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Esther and ha- Esther and Mordecai 
draft a decree that says that on the day that they were supposed to be killed, the Jews are allowed to rise up and defend themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they do. And then they kill a bunch of the people who are attacking them. Mm -hmm. Do we have a problem with that? That the Jews like killed a ton of people on those two days? Well, this can be annoying, but let me ask you a question in response to your question. Okay. Do you have a problem with the means by which Esther obtained her position in the royal court? Uh, the so-called the euphemistically yes, put beauty I do. pageant. I do have a problem with how she obtained that okay. position. Okay. Okay. So could this be a situation um, where God's purposes are accomplished even amid a torrent of less than ideal circumstances absolutely are you saying that god's purpose in the story is to get like thousands of persians killed no i'm saying his purpose is to save his people and it happens by um some actions that uh probably we would never choose and maybe even we take moral exception with um but that um god nevertheless nevertheless used so the the enemies the enemies dying and the Jews murdering people probably not ideal. I also to to show my hand a little bit I wouldn't call what they were doing murder. But okay okay yeah <laughs> defending themselves right right I guess you wouldn't call it murder if someone breaks into your house you know, it's self defense basically right. right. So um, I, yeah I guess I'm just asking is that part of your particular question about the Jews defending themselves is that part of a larger set of questions about God using um. Uh, actions that we might consider morally questionable to accomplish his ends, such as Esther, you know, having premarital relations with, you know, the king. Yeah. (laughs) Esther being the best in bed and so becoming queen. Yeah. We would, you know, behaviors that we would never hold up as like, Hey, Esther did this. So you should too. Right. Or um, God's people rose up and defended themselves. So that's what we should do too. Like whenever we're a single time. Yeah. Yeah. So can we like take, the book of Esther, like if let's just picture ourselves being in some kind of persecution um, as the church in America, 2023, could we open up the book of Esther and say, Hey, you know, pastor Tyler, look what they did then. Isn't that, isn't that okay? Get on that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't that be okay now? Or, Hey, Esther used um, maybe her physical gifts or her beauty to her advantage in this, in this way. So what, why shouldn't I do that? Right. I think it's, that's the danger of using the old Testament, especially that way of um, it's called imitation application where the things you see people do in the Bible, even if they're like so-called good characters, like you, we should imitate that. Uh, and like Samson. The, Samson yeah. Would be like really Samson. Yeah, exactly. Samson would be a good example abraham like mm-hmm. abraham did some stuff he dropped off his wife like, yeah. with a pagan like yeah. all these things where you, you have to understand when we're reading the bible that you know when you see a so-called good character acting in a certain way it doesn't necessarily mean that's sanctioned you have to read it through the lens right. of jesus christ to get you know the main message and the purpose instead of just right. saying like oh hey here's what we see david do in this chapter so we should go and do likewise like that's right. that's not the way to interpret especially the old testament yeah i mean yeah it's like you gotta you gotta get the context of the book you're reading first right because a lot of times like 
even the author writing it is not telling you this is good. They're yeah. saying this is what the person did. Exactly. But sometimes, exactly. like I said, in this case, I would almost argue that the author of Esther is cool with what they like with, with all the killing. I think that's a reasonable yeah. interpretation. And in that case, like maybe that means that it should be okay for us. And maybe, well, and not even maybe, like before you make that conclusion, yeah, you have to also apply it through Christ, like through what through what Christ has done and brought in the new covenant and all that good stuff. Yeah, I agree. And so I I probably like in a better answer to your question would say that it is more so a foreshadowing of the final, um, the final defeat of the enemies of God. Sure. Um, like apocalyptic in the apocalyptic sense, mm-hmm. you know, that in the end, everyone will be subdued under God's judgment. Mm-hmm. All the enemies of God will be dealt with and his people will be the ones who reign and are protected through right. his care. And so I think we have to view it that way as a foreshadowing of that truth rather than as a imitate or a um, encouragement to go and do likewise. Right. Well, yeah. And to close, I guess to close the loop, because I honestly, this, this like instance of God's people killing is not really a huge issue for me Mm -hmm. because they're really portrayed as being pretty restrained (laughs) compared to what they could have done. (laughs) Like it's, it's, if I'm remembering right, like it's pretty clearly portrayed as like they killed the people that were trying to kill them. And they didn't even take their stuff. Mm. Like they weren't even told not to take their stuff, mm. but they didn't. Like they 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 defended themselves and then they celebrated. Yeah, and, that, that's a great. I've never thought about that before. But you know, the taking the spoil happens all the time in yeah. the history of Israel. And if I I'm I, I'm like ninety five percent sure I'm remembering that right from like two months, well four months ago when I was teaching it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I think they were like so like they they killed the people trying to kill them, which again I wouldn't call that murder. I'd call it self defense. Mm-hmm. Um. And they, yeah, and they they didn't even, like, take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in this case, I'm not super bothered. I just was curious yeah. how you would respond to that. Yeah. Because some yeah. people are. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, Esther, I think we both like it. Glad we did it first. Yeah. I knew that it would take a while. Yeah, it did. We, we did. honestly should do Job first next week, too, because there's a lot in Job that's fun. Oh, and I'm going to love that. Job is probably one of... I think both of our favorite books. Definitely. We're in like a Definitely. we're in like a high point right now. We had Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, and now Job. We kind of are. We kind of are. This is gonna be good. Ecclesiastes coming up before too long. Song of Solomon. That'll be silly. Well, we gotta that might be that might be silly. So we're gonna introduce a new segment today. It might be just a one-time segment. We'll see. We'll see. Is it really a segment if it's only a one-time thing? We'll see. It's a potential segment. Uh, it's called uh, this segment's called What Do You Think of Minnesota? Or so what do you think of Minnesota? Okay. So um, we're just going to give some perspectives on Minnesota. Uh, Tyler's an insider. I am born and raised. I'm an outsider. So we got a little balance here and we'll see how this shakes out. Um, Let me, let me start here. Tyler, are you proud to be from Minnesota? Uh, yes. Hmm. Really? I had to, I had to think about the, like, okay. I, I think, I mean, I'm not proud of everything about Minnesota. Mm. but I really like living here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, I mean, there is something, there is something fun about being from the coldest of the lower 48. A little bit of pride in terms of like, I'm tough enough to make it here. Well, when I was a kid, I would brag about that all the time. Yeah. Like if I was with somebody who wasn't from Minnesota, mm. I I don't, I try not to do that now, but it is, I don't know. Does it have that reputation as the coldest state? I think, think it's coldest average temperature. Oh, so not just Besides reputation, Alaska. but I, in actuality. Okay, well, I'll look it up now. But. Yeah, well, I, you know, you're probably right. Um, when I think of like coldest places in the lower 48, I think of Fargo right away. 
maybe just because of the movie. Um, but yeah. Hmm. Which technically is not Minnesota, but <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, oh no, I might be wrong. Ten coldest states in the US. Number two is oh wow. Oh no, 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 never mind. That's the coldest temperatures ever. Ah, not average. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ask me another question. Um, or have me ask you a question. What do you think of Minnesota, Matt? You've been here for about two years. Because mm-hmm. you'd never lived here before that, right? No. Um, I was just describing this to someone because I, I've spent time in Wisconsin and now Minnesota, and I grew up in Iowa. And here's how I differentiated um, because someone, the person I was talking to is asking me about Iowa and do I like being from Iowa versus the other states? And I said, well, Wisconsin is more beautiful than Iowa. Oh, than Iowa. Uh, there's more... There's more to do in Minnesota than in Iowa, this, considering the Twin Cities, Yeah, you know, if you just consider the Twin Cities. So there's more to do in Minnesota. Wisconsin's more beautiful. I could not come up with any redeeming qualities for Iowa, except that I have roots there. Except that you love and, it. And family there. Yeah. yeah. And that's enough to bring the love. Which is very reasonable. Yeah. Like, you can't really fight against, like... You know, people that I love are there, so I love it there. Exactly. We've got personal history there. So Nostalgia is a very powerful thing. It is. But if you just look at those three states, I think the Twin Cities kind of wins out for, you know, cultural happenings, excitement, mm-hmm. sports teams, uh, just j- things to do. So, yeah, we're only of those three states with all four major sports teams because Wisconsin doesn't have hockey. Mm. Yeah. 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 I guess that's so. True. We must be superior. Yeah. Also, apparently, uh, North Dakota is 0.7 degrees colder on yeah. average than Minnesota. Oh, really? So we're stacking coldest in the lower 48. Okay. So, um, what do you? So, as someone from the Twin Cities, and I'm I'm trying to learn learn some things here. How do you feel about uh, the rest of the state? Do you call it? It's called outstate, right? Everything no, outside. No, it's called up north. Oh, up north. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there are parts like there are parts south of the Twin Cities. I don't really think those places have a name. Well, so Marshall, for instance, that's, Worthington is... That's like out west, I guess. Out west. I okay. would never really call it outstate, though. I, at least I've never called it that. Okay. Well, just tell me what your impression is um, of those people out there. Of the people? Yeah. Um, I mean, pretty pretty country. I don't know. Like, Okay. Is that a positive or is that a derogatory thing? I, I mean, I'm saying it pretty neutrally. Okay. I, I mean, I felt like I grew up in the country. Um. I didn't mm. really, I lived 45 minutes from downtown, but mm. I lived on a dirt road and I, I lived like on two acres of land. Mm. So I felt like I was country, but like farther out from the cities, mm. it's a lot more country. Did you ever feel looked down upon because you were from the country? No, because my whole high school was out there. Yeah, but once you got to college, I mean. No, not at all. <laughs> okay. So you were accepted. Yeah. Even though you're from somewhere up there. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I don't really know what we're going for there. I'm sorry. I don't have. I don't know if this is bait, but I don't know how to take it, so I no, won't. Not bait. I'm just excavating. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll keep going. Keep digging. <laughs> this is this is my favorite state. If I can move to any state, I would stay here. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, I love the lakes. I think it's really beautiful here. Hmm. Mosquitoes, not a problem. I hate mosquitoes, hmm. but they don't. I have a lot of hair, so they don't. They don't eat me as much. They don't. They don't bother you as much. Okay. Um, what's your best sales pitch for, so I've got a friend, uh, who's a pastor in Dallas and before he got a job as a pastor in Dallas, he, uh, decided Minnesota was off the table. Uh-huh. Like I'm not moving there too cold, too cold. Would never even consider it. He said, I'd rather move to Africa. 
okay. we moved to Minnesota. Bob, you know who you are, Bob. Um, what what's your best sales pitch to try to change his mind? I you can't. If if somebody hates the cold, they're not going to like it here. Yeah, I think that's true. Because I don't. I mean, I don't love the cold. Honestly, I don't really like the cold. Mm-hmm. But like, I I really like the state. Usually, the pitch that people will go for is that there's uh you get all four seasons here. Mm-hmm. That one is not super compelling to me because I could legitimately do without winter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we have all four seasons. Um, okay, it's not cold all the time. But there are things to there are there are things to do year round. You know, like. You kind of, I think you kind of have to enjoy, well, I, that's not true actually, because I don't. A lot of people that would like moving here enjoy like outdoor activities in the winter, like skiing, snowboarding. Good point. That okay. kind of thing. Here's, uh, I'll end with this question. This is what I really want to know. This okay. is the main test. Okay. Okay. Let's say you're out in Washington, D.C. Okay. You're Which on I the... will be in like two months. Okay, good. You're on the National Mall. You're walking around the mall. Okay. Um, You... uh walk by this person and you start having a random conversation and you find out that they're from Minnesota. Okay. Okay. How do you feel about them? Uh, they're my new friend. Are they? Oh yeah. Yeah. How there's can... a, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like camaraderie among Minnesotans. I think. Yeah. Tell me about that. I well, I think it's because like we all suffered the winter together, mm. you know, like we all live in a snow globe for like five months of the year. <laughs> so I, yeah, I think that, that like sense of superiority that I, communicated about when i was younger mm-hmm. i think we all just kind of like internally feel like a little bit of that and we're like oh yeah you're strong you're tough too this is my yeah this is my brother yeah okay good it must be a midwestern thing because you know i definitely feel the same way about fellow Iowans. yeah yeah and i imagine people from jersey they meet someone else from jersey it's pretty meh well i think it's i think that's just true flyover country it could, it could be wrong I, I think that's just true flyover country because like these states like comparatively have less people um like we're kind of forgotten by like national media you know mm-hmm. like typically like in sports like the teams being covered are the coastal teams more often True. so i think there is just a like well if nobody else is like if we're small and nobody else is thinking about us like we're cool with each other take care of ourselves yeah um last question pointed towards next week are you concerned at all as we start talking about the book of job are you concerned that the overall vibe of the podcast is going to be just very depressing and low no i'm excited to talk about leviathan <laughs> Okay. See y'all next week. Bye.